Good afternoon, everybody. Turned off very beautiful after the morning showers. And uh, we're just so glad that you're with us today. We're going to be talking today about how to fight fair. We could say, we could say uh, just never fight, but if you're married long enough, sooner or later, you're going to have a little spat. You know, the devil's going to pinch your wife. I mean, well, you know, pinch both of us, right? Yeah, okay, that's right. And it really is about how, we can, how can we establish safety? How can we have safety in our relationship so that when we do have interactions that are highly intense, <laughs> when we do have discussions, as some people prefer to call them, when we do have um, conflict, how can we create safety in our relationship so it's not devastating? And it takes us days or weeks or even months to get back to where we were. That's right. So we'll, let's have a word of prayer as we begin. Father God of all relationships, Lord, we know that you are the one that uh, invented relationships because we know that you and the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit are a family together. And then you created the angels to be family, but the uh, crown and glory it, are, are the human beings who were made in your image. That is an awesome thought, Lord. And we just, we know that you love the family so much. You love when we're together and you're the one that created marriage. You know how to keep us together. And so we just pray that your sweet Holy Spirit will be here with us to teach us, to guide us uh, this afternoon. We thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You know, we're going to be uh, family forever. Now, I know that Jesus said that in heaven we'll, we'll, neither, we'll neither be married nor given in marriage. However, it's not like it is here. I still believe she's going to be my best friend forever in heaven. Amen? So... I don't think because there won't be marriage like it is here, where we'll be procreating and all of that, we will still dwell as families together. Mm -hmm. Amen? And so um, heaven starts here. Mm -hmm. Amen. Heaven starts here. Yeah. And uh, uh, like, like Tammy said earlier, uh, we... How did you say that, sweetheart, that God puts each other together? God puts us together for the saving of each That's other. That's right. Uh -huh. That's right. So we help one another. We're one is strong, the other one, and vice versa. Mm -hmm. So safety, what does it look like, and how do we handle conflict? It's a big question. How do we handle conflict? And I'll, my husband and I will be the first to say we've had a few knockdown dragouts. Not physical fighting, I assure you. But we have definitely had conflict where my voice gets higher and intense and his voice gets stronger and, you know, there's this intensity of emotion. I remember one time he went out and slept on the couch and I was in bed and guess who suffered more, me or him? Actually, I did. I don't sleep good without him. <laughs> so I came out about two in the morning and begged him to come back, even though he was in the wrong. Anyway, so... <laughs> So when it comes to conflict, I think we all know what that looks like. Now, I always tell her when we get into an argument, well, we wouldn't have gotten into an argument if you hadn't started it. There you go. So see, there's some of those zingers that don't work real well. But you know what? 
we are going to share with you a tool that was shared with us early in our marriage that absolutely transformed how we manage conflict today. And when you leave, you'll have a handout that um, I promise you it works very well and you'll love it. It's hey, and we, we even have questions. So we're going to take some time a little bit later on for your questions. Thank you for, for doing that. Yes. So how to fight fair, safety first. So let's go through a couple of these. I know that when I get in a conflict with you where emotions are high, opposing opinions, high emotion, strong uh, feelings, I don't feel like praying. It's not something that comes naturally where I say, oh, darling, let's stop and pray. Yeah, I want to pray over you all right, right? So, so uh, prayer, and, but what I find is more and more as I walk this journey with the Lord, I have a tendency to just offer up a quick prayer so much of the time that it becomes natural. So when you start to see a conflict or something's happening, you can just send up a prayer, God help us, God be with us right now. You know, when our children were small, we have a son and a daughter, when they were just young, I would say that our greatest arguments were over how to raise children. And have you ever? <laughs> okay. And so there were times we'd, we'd get in a little uh, disagreement, sometimes a strong disagreement. Now, we tend to bring the baggage that we grew up with, we tend to bring that into the marriage. Have you noticed that, everybody? So in my life, my little grandmother raised me, but my mother struggled because she had a nervous breakdown when my father left when I was five years old. So I grew up seeing my mom and I mean, seeing my mom and my grandmother argue a lot. And so what would I do when as a youngster, a teenager, when I would see them argue, I would just leave the house. Are any of you with me? I just leave. So when we would get into an argument, guess what Pastor Pat would do? I would leave. Oh, that would frustrate her. Amen. Because she wanted to sit, she wanted to stand there and kind of fight, fight it out and get to the end. Well, I wanted just to leave. Isn't that amazing how we bring this into our our childhood? We bring that into our marriage. So And I just want to interject here. Yeah. I definitely felt my way was the right way to stay and just get it all out on the table and work it out right then. And he definitely felt his way was the right well, way. Well, I didn't want to do something ugly. You know, you can do something really ugly in an argument if you're not careful. So I thought it would be better for me just to walk away and, and, and that might punish her a little bit. I was afraid of that. And so, so I would get in my car and the good news is they always give the pastor the keys to the church. That's good. I'm glad you guys do that. And so I would go to the church and uh, I would lock the door behind me and I would get on the front pew and I would begin to pray. Dear Lord, you know that Tammy and I right now are having a serious, serious disagreement. And Lord, I love her, but I don't like her. <laughs> and I would pray this prayer. I love her, Lord, but I don't like her. Can you imagine? And I'd say, dear Lord, please, please change my heart so that I will not only love her, but I'll like her. And, and, and Lord, if, if I'm part of any of this, then, then forgive me too, Lord. And I know that I am. I know that I've got at least, you know, a few percent. No, I know I'm, I'm, I've got some in there. And I would just pray to God and beg God to help us. And so I would pray for a while. And then, then after uh, maybe an hour or two, I would come back home. And so Tammy would say, well, where have you been? 
And I say, well, I haven't been to Joe's Bar and Grill. You and of know? course, I didn't expect that. Well, I, but the reason and the reason I say that is because sometimes in America, when men and women fight, probably not Adventists, I, you know, but when in, in the typical relationship in America, when they when they struggle, the man will sometimes go to the bar and he's down in the mouth and, you know, somebody will come along, and put their arm around him, and say, give, give him one on me, you know, and uh but we don't do that. We, we get our strength from God, you know, not the local tavern, right? So I would say, I would say honey, I've been, I've been to the church and I've been praying. Oh, that would just melt her heart. Because she knew, she, knew, she knew that I was praying for us. Mm -hmm. And so I could see, I could see a change over her because she could see a change over me. She could see that I wasn't, you know, Wanting to be right. You know? Yeah. And, and she saw the, the, the facial expression that I, that I came, I came uh, holding the olive branch. Mm -hmm. Came holding the olive branch. So it would melt her heart. And she, she would say, I don't know who would say sorry first. Maybe it was me. Maybe it was you. I don't really even remember. You know, remember. I have to be honest with you. He usually, even if he's 10% wrong, he usually apologizes That's about first. what it is. <laughs> no, just kidding. Just kidding. <laughs> I said, even if. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, and that would melt my heart because when he was willing to humble himself and express that he was sorry, then I sometimes would just say, honey, no, it really was me. I was the one who started this, or I was the one. And then, you know, making up is so much more fun yeah, that's true. than fighting. That's true. But, uh, but prayer, I mean, how do, how do people get along in life without prayer? Amen? Mm, that's right. And uh, no violence, you know, like, like I told you guys yesterday, you know, I saw my dad be violent to my mother and thank God it turned me off. I never wanted to do that. Mm -hmm. And, uh, uh, and praise God, you know, God helped me, you know. And the thing is too, if we think of the love languages and if touch is our love language and your spouse is um, physically violent, mm -hmm. it's extremely detrimental yeah. to your relationship and to It'll, your love. It will dry the love tank right mm -hmm. up. That's right. That's right. Uh, remain calm. And the remain calm and stepping out of the circle are kind of one in this. We're going to talk about both of those. So mm -hmm. Let's go to the next one and we'll come back to remain okay. calm. All right. Because I want to go to Proverbs 15.1 on remain calm and step out of the circle. So uh, respect tears. Um, I think women can cry easier than men. Would, would you say that's true? I think sometimes, you know, it's not always fair to genderize. And I just no. want to tell you how uh, forgive us ahead of time because you can't put men and women no. in the same box. But I will say that, um, you know, as a child growing up, my father was more tenderhearted and tearful than my mother. Um, but I think as a rule in an argument, a lot of times it seems in our experience with counseling that a lot of times women will cry. And that does one or two things to um, her husband. It can be a turnoff, make him really frustrated and angry, or it can um, sometimes make a spouse feel that that person's being manipulative. Well, they can also, though, sense that, that, that you know, my wife is very serious about this. I need to listen because there's tears. Yes. You know? And I would say that when I have cried, you've been very tenderhearted. Mm -hmm. But I think it's very important that we respect each other's expressions of sorrow or of sadness. 
I think, so if I, think, cries, I, think, I think one of the reasons men don't cry is because we don't want people to think we're not macho. Probably. But even Jesus cried. I think it's healthy to cry sometimes. Mm-hmm. You know? It's just healthy. But I know I don't cry very often, but sometimes I do cry. Problem, the reason why I don't want to cry is because I'm afraid if I start, I won't be able to quit, and then I'll be, I might embarrass myself, you know? <laughs> yeah, that's true at funerals. You've said yeah, that before, that yeah. it's hard. But it's, it's healthy cry. to cry. It Jesus is. even wept, did he, he not? Did. You know? He did. So we need to be respectful. I think one of the worst things that we can do is tell ourselves stories in the midst of an argument. Mm-hmm. I can tell myself a story about you. You can tell one about me. If I'm crying, you can say, oh, she's just trying to manipulate her. She just goes to tears, and, and then I'm supposed to feel terrible. But that's not true at all. We need to recognize and, and appreciate each other's differences and expressions. Mm-hmm. What do you mean by be specific? So it's important in an argument that we're specific about what exactly is the problem. I think sometimes we can choose to become very unraveled or irritated or annoyed at each other for some small thing when it really is just the icing on the cake. There's something much deeper that's bothering us. So I think it's important to be specific. Be able to specifically say, this is what's bothering me or this is what hurt my feelings instead of using broad statements. I think that's only fair. Okay. Uh, One issue at a time. So it's really easy for some of us. I talked about having a sister that I was sure she could remember the day she was conceived. She can remember everything. But I, I will tell you that my sister, you know, sometimes in an argument, she has a tendency, she's tempted to bring up everything in the past relationship that has been hurtful or uh, frustrating to her. So it's important that we stick with the topic at hand and not be, um, you know, digging in the in the depths of the ocean to find all the things that have bothered us through the years one issue at a time yes that was it okay okay specific Um, one and then being respectful and we're going to talk about that in the five minute rule for sure but um anybody have an idea what what does disrespect look like a lot of things right it can be words calling names name calling um, but it also can be nonverbal for sure and almost worse. So 70% or 60% of our communication is nonverbal. So if Pat is talking to me about something that I think is ridiculous that he's upset about, I can roll my eyes, sigh loudly, and I can just pretty much tell him I think he's an idiot without saying a word, right? Yeah. And so it's very disrespectful, and it can just totally um, escalate a situation. Mm-hmm. So respectful in our face respectful in our body language and respectful in our words and our tone of voice very very important don't accuse you know don't dare say oh you're you're just like your father <laughs> you're just like, like your mother you know mm-hmm. you know or you're just like that awful person we knew once yeah, or whatever yeah, right yeah so and i think that also goes along with some of the other ones and that is that using those you always or you never You never get that right. You always criticize me for that. Mm -hmm. Those kinds of words are kind of like argument swear words. So we really encourage people not to say always and never. Again, keeping the focus on what is at hand. And then clamming up, that was a little bit more you. They say a woman has about a thousand words to her husband's one. Amen. I could say that's probably true. I'll own that. But, you know, sometimes when he gets, has in the past gotten angry, he'll saw up, so to speak, or not speak. Oh, that just really bothers me. Well, we tend to find out what punishes each other. And then we kind of do it to to be an irritant, right? 
sometimes. Yeah. yeah. So if clamming up makes her a little bit irritated, you know, we, we're trying to get even. Instead of, instead of trying to forgive, we just try to get even. <laughs> right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I've known of couples, we've known couples who um, they won't speak to each other for two and three days. And that's very detrimental in a relationship. You know, not too long ago, one uh, a gal came up to me at work and she was so excited. She said, we've done a little premarital counseling and I think we're on track. We've done this. We've done that. We've talked to our pastor about this and that. And she was going through the list. And I said, have you talked about how you fight? And she said, what? I said, I know you, you plan to never, but have you talked about what does that look like when he's really angry? She said, I, I don't know. I've never seen him mad. I said, well, on one of your times together, you need to ask him, what does it look like when you just get over the top, see red, angry? And you guys need to talk about how you respond to stressful situations so that you can figure out how to uh, negate that, how to work through that, and what to expect. Because oftentimes we're very different in how we respond to those uh -huh. kinds of things. Uh -huh. um, so stepping out of the circle, you wanted me to talk okay, about yeah, that. Let, let's talk about the, well, it goes with uh, uh, remain calm yeah. because in an argument, let's always remember uh, Proverbs 15.1. A soft answer turns away the wrath. But, but in an argument, oh, you know, she gets louder and I get louder and the blood vessels get, you know, and, and, and so then it just escalates and then, it get, you, then you really get frustrated. Whereas if we could remember to, so, to speak softly and then talk about stepping out of the circle once you speak softly. You know, I've done a lot of work and I teach actually, I'm certified to teach in um, sort of how to manage conflict in the workplace. And one of the things that we learn is that in the workplace, a lot of times when you get in an altercation with someone and you're having an argument, you may be about this far away and the person's just intensely mm -hmm. angry or frustrated with something. And what we recommend is not physically, but in your head, you step out of the circle there's a circle of two with high emotions, strong opinions. Mm -hmm. And um, in your mind, you just step back and you look at the situation and you recognize a couple of things. One is when someone is extremely upset and angry, they're suffering. It's never fun, especially when you lose your cool. Do you feel foolish afterwards? You look back and you regret it. You usually do. So recognizing that really frustration is a form of suffering. It's not fun. It's not pleasant. It's not something we like. But if you step out of the circle and you recognize their frustration ne isn't necessarily about you, you may have triggered it, but really and truly we can't make each other mad. We can do things that annoy. We can do things that are frustrating. But I have to choose to get mad. I really do. And so when couples say, well, she always makes me mad or he always makes me mad, I say, no, it really is a choice. Now, can they do a lot to irritate you? Sure, that's true. But I'm the one who chooses to respond. And if you're questioning that, let me give you an example. You can be in the middle of a hot debate with your husband, the doorbell rings. You open the door and say, hi, how are you? How did you do that? <laughs> because we have the choice. We have the power to choose how we're going to manage our emotions. And the same way is in an argument. So in the workplace, you step out of the circle, you reflect on what's going on, and then you come alongside the person in this way. Say this was a work situation, then I would say, well, Patrick, obviously I can tell that this is really frustrating to you, and I'm really sorry. What can we do to mitigate this? 
Uh, you obviously have an opinion about how this needs to be done or the deadline it needs to be done, but I have a real challenge in seeing how I can meet that deadline. Can we talk about this? Yeah, I would calm right so, down. So it's That's just right. a matter of one coming alongside the person, recognizing their emotion, which helps them, and, and then saying, can we talk about that? Mm -hmm. Can we discuss this? Or can we actually, I have an appointment at 1, but can we meet at 2.30? Do you have some time? So sometimes even stepping away from the situation is very helpful. It was very helpful for my husband. And what I found is there isn't a wrong or right way, even though I want to get it done right then. I did find that I needed to respect that he needed space. I needed to cool off a little bit. That's right. And one of the reasons, I think, because, again, we go back to our childhood. If you have, if you have a little bit of Irish in you, and if your name is Milligan, you have a lot of Irish in you, okay? So my dad had a... He had a temper, and guess who inherited that? I did. And so I used to blame my Irish temper on my dad. See, it's not my fault. It's my dad's fault. And then one day, I can't tell you exactly where it's at, but it's in the spirit of prophecy somewhere. It about blew me away. She said, when you lose your temper... Now, we're not talking about righteous indignation, you know, like if you see a, somebody abusing a child and you go out and you step in between those two and you say, you're not going to touch that child unless it's going to be over my dead body. That's righteous indignation. That's, that's fine. You know, I believe. <laughs> I believe. But I'm talking about getting angry with my wife because she, uh, she put the iron on my pants too too long and it left an iron mark and now I'm furious because I paid $50 for those pants and I can't believe you just burn and so I just get all worked up you know see my Irish temper I had that but I blamed it on my dad until I read this statement that said when you lose your temper you are 100% under the control of Satan man that hit me I thought you mean I can't blame my dad I was blaming my dad because he was Irish, see? And, and no, the, the Holy Spirit spoke to me. You have a heavenly father now, and he doesn't have a temper. So who, which father are you leaning on? Are you leaning more to your earthly dad who has this violent temper? Or do you lean toward me and ask me for my temper? And, and, and then he told me, it's a choice. You choose to get angry and and, and you choose to sin by, by letting this anger get out of control. And I stopped blaming my dad. I stopped blaming that Irish temper because, because now I have an, I'm a new man in Christ Jesus. That, that's the old man, the old, the old Irish scrapper. <laughs> that's the old man. Now I try to feed my new man, and God has helped me immensely. I, I have to keep it under check. Believe me, we all do. And, and we're going to actually get to that, that it's a daily conversion. Yeah. It isn't just that one time we gave ourselves to Christ and he remade us right then. It's a daily walk that yeah. we need to connect. Yeah. But some people just say, say, well, this is the way I am and you just have to accept me the way I am. No, through the power of the Holy Spirit, God changes us. He, he transforms us little by little. Amen. Hallelujah. And I'm not the same person I used to be 20 years ago. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And me neither. Hallelujah. Yeah. So the other thing is, when it comes to negotiating and compromise, what we did, using this as an illustration, is um, he would say to me, I would say to him, when you walk out the door, when you're frustrated with me, it feels like you're leaving me. It feels like you're not going to come back. 
So I have that anxiety, not really, it, that was more subconscious, but the conscious is, how long is it going to take for us to get to talk this out so we can move on? I wouldn't so, punish her too long. <laughs> so we, we came up with a negotiation or a compromise, and that was, he would say to me, you know what, this is, when it comes to that point where I need a little space, how about this? I'll say to you, honey, you know what, I have a couple errands to run. How about if we meet back at lunchtime and we'll talk this over? As long as I knew the time and the, that he was going to be back and, and the goal was to talk about this together, it totally took away the frustration of him needing space. So that's why it's very important to, as you come together and you talk about, uh, a lot of times we find with, um, in marriage counseling that couples fight about the same two or three things for years. And we, say, we would say to each other after a a bad scrap. And I tell you, the older we get, I can't remember the right. last time we fought. No, we don't like to fight anymore. God is so no. good. We, we much prefer to love. Make love, not war. That's right. That's right. But when we would, um, you know, we would have a, an ugly argument. We would come back and say, we don't want to do this again. No. No. So how can we, what shall we do next time differently so this doesn't happen? And we would have a plan. And that's what I call being intelligent about it. You know, what do they call mental illness is doing the same thing and expecting a different result. Yeah. You know, it's weird. We can get into habits in our marriage that way. So it's really, really important that we... Blessed, blessed are the flexible, for they shall not be bent out of shape. That's right. right. That's right. That's right. And when okay. we spend time with the Lord. <laughs> That's right. Okay. Uh, uh, compromise? Uh-huh. We talked about that. Okay. And we talked about cooling off. That was our okay. compromise. Okay. Uh, no below the belt. That's uh, when you can really get ugly and and oh you you know you know it's getting kind of serious when you call her a witch or if you use the b word and i'm not going to say that but you know what i'm talking about that is really uh cutting, cutting below below the, below the belt yes or let's say your spouse has a weight problem and you throw their weight in their yes. face or mm. your spouse has an anger problem and you throw that in their face yeah, you're just like your father Ooh, so, that, that would hurt <laughs> so it's when you you go for the jugular yeah. jugular and that is absolutely um you know from the from the depths of hell that we would do that in a moment that the very person we love and value the most that we would try to hurt in the worst way possible yeah so those kinds of things also making a date we talked about that like if we needed to work something out you know, having setting aside time that agreed on time that we could come and we could discuss that. You might want to do this when it's late at night and you're exhausted. That's not a good time to, to manage conflict when you're extremely hungry or tired or those kinds of things. So be very thoughtful of one another as to when we're going to do this. You know, and, and also if your husband is a he's a hard worker, he's had a hard day and he's worked hard. And, and he comes home and the supper is not made, he might get irritated and frustrated. I, I've worked hard all day. Or if the wife's worked all day and the husband's been home and dinner isn't made. Okay, all right. Yeah. It works both ways. Yeah. But do you understand, yeah. you know, uh, you can get, you can get ir irritated at that. And Well, you wouldn't want to be hit with a conflict when you yeah. walk in the doors at yeah. this point. But, but so all, timing all, is everything. All I'm trying to say is sometimes when you've, when you're tired and frustrated, yes. then you can get a little more irritated. And sometimes you just have to overlook that. You know, he's worked hard all day. I need to rub his shoulders. I need to fix him a good meal. And he'll calm right down and he'll, he'll be eating out of my hand in no time. 
There's a good thought. Okay. I like it. That wasn't in the notes. Was it? <laughs> that works. <laughs> okay, we talked about labels. We talked about clarifying. Sometimes, um, again, when I do conflict resolution in the workplace, it helps to clarify. So, again, if we're back to the workplace situation, and you can apply this, of course, to your relationship, um, he's telling me what he's really uh, frustrated about. It's good sometimes to clarify that. So you're saying that when this happened, you were expecting it to be this deadline and that didn't happen. That was what frustrated you? Mm -hmm. No, it was the way it was presented. I thought we'd agreed that we were going to present this. And I felt like that you did this. So you're frustrated that I added that information that we hadn't agreed on? That's correct. Okay, then you have something to talk about. So sometimes it's really important to stop and clarify what is it? Because I can assume all day long, and some of us know what that means, but it's very, very important not to assume you know why the other person is this or that. In fact, we had that happen yesterday, remember? Uh, we were talking about a situation, and you were like, you know what, I think this is happening. And I said, you know what, I don't think we have enough information to assume that yet. You know, so it really helps if we can help each other not to it, have Isn't it interesting, I'm glad that you said this, because sometimes we'll take a, a, a problem, it's just a small problem, but we'll get to thinking about it, and before too long, it's this massive problem in our head. Thing is huge. My, my husband, he's, he's headed to, for the attorney for the divorce. There's not, there's not even anything that's close to that. But we tell ourselves these, these stories uh -huh. that I wonder why my husband is so upset. Uh, and then we tell ourselves these, these fictional stories. Right. Yeah. I'll never forget, Kristen and I were walking down the sidewalk one time. I love to tell it. If you've been in my women's ministries, I've probably told it. But um, we were just walking down the street. It was a nice, hot summer day. We were headed down to the corner to buy an ice cream cone together. And it was such a great time that I had to be with her. We're walking down the street, and there were some construction workers standing over here at the side. And as we approached, I noticed they were looking at us. Well, all right, they were looking at her. And so as we're walking along and they're looking, uh, she didn't notice right away, but we got uh, closer to them, and she glanced up, and she's, oh, she just, oh, she just, you know, got really irritated. And we walked by, and she was just kind of mumbling. And I said, what happened? She said, did you see those guys ogling us? I said, wait a minute, what, what happened? I said, let's talk about the facts. The facts are we're walking down the street. The fact is we're gonna get an ice cream cone. The fact is three men are standing on the corner. The fact is they're looking at us and smiling. Oh, okay, looking at you and smiling. I didn't hear any cat calls or whistles or inappropriate conversation. We're dressed modestly, what's the deal? She recognized that her response to that situation was based from a prior experience that she'd had. Do you see how easily we do the same thing in our relationships? We assume things based on perhaps an experience we've had. Mm -hmm. And so after that, all weekend long, she'd say, Mother, is that a fact or is that a story? Every time I said something. Yeah, yeah. So, but it really is good practice to help each other in that way. Wait a minute, sweetheart. Are those facts or is that fiction? So it's really important that we not tell ourselves stories. Don't fill in the blanks. You'll get yourself in a whole lot more trouble. Yeah, let's go to the next one. We don't want to stockpile, and we're going to set up some ground rules today that you are going to love. So I just want to remind us that nonverbal language is very powerful. So I have, many, I have a very expressive face, and there are times my husband has stopped in the middle of a conversation and said, Honey, I feel so disrespected by the way you're looking at me. And I'll realize my eyes are on the ceiling, my head's thrown back, I'm just... So, so it's very important to be in touch with our face. Watch your face, right? Very important. 
Uh, this is kind of what I talked about earlier. This you know, my beloved brothers and sisters, but let everyone be swift to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. For the anger of man does not achieve the righteousness of God. So when, when, uh, when, we don't, when the Holy Spirit doesn't help us keep this under control or when we don't allow Him to, then that, then that ugly anger comes out and it can be very destructive. Mm-hmm. You, can, you can kill someone in just a few seconds with your tongue, right? Mm-hmm. You, you can empty all, the, uh, empty all of your wife's love tank in just a few seconds. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So the tongue, your anger needs to be slow to hear, swift to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. So often we're just quick, you know, they said something, we're quick to just come back and cut them, cut them down. No, you need, I have met people, you have met people, they, they always speak before they think. Have you ever met anybody like that? And then after they say it, then sometimes they think, man, I wish I hadn't said that. We always need to think before we speak, because about, uh, about what we're about to say uh, might just empty all the, the, the love out of my, our wife's love tank. I think so. part of it, too, is there's something in us that wants to get back. You know, you did it first, and then I respond. You do it first. And you know, when I teach new employee orientation at the hospital, one thing I tell people is, raise your hand. How many of you believe that you have to earn respect? And really, most of the, most the crowd will raise their hand. Respect has to be earned. And I said, you know, I kind of grew up that way. My daddy was big on teaching us how to be respectful, that you had to earn respect. I said, but can I suggest something to you? I want to be a respectful person because that's who I am, not because you deserve it or not. I want to be respectful because I'm a respectful person, not whether you deserve or whether you earned my respect or not. Mm -hmm. And I believe that that really feeds right into this, and that is I was created for God's glory. I wasn't created for my glory. I wasn't created to get even. I wasn't created to protect myself. I was created for God's glory. Is what I'm about to say to my spouse, deserving or not, is it going to be kind? Is it going to reflect the character of Jesus? And I believe when we reflect his character, we're told he will come. And that's why I believe the greatest workshop in the world for character building is in our marriage and in our homes. Amen. All right, the five-minute rule, I promised you that's going to be the handout tonight. I want, or this afternoon, I want to tell you that my husband is great at this. He is the one who is first to think of it. And it is not at all offensive to me when he does. And when you learn it, you'll understand. So we might be, let me give you a scenario. We have an agreement that we're going to have a whole bunch of people over to our house on Sabbath afternoon. And I run late at the office. So I'm getting home. I work full time. And he has told me, we've kind of divided up the chores. And he's told me, honey, I'm going to vacuum and I'm going to clean the bathroom upstairs. I'm going to have these three chores done when you get home, and then we can get the food and we can do that together. So we have this agreement. Well, I'm running late. I walk in the door. It's 5 o'clock. Sundown is around 6, 6.30. And, I, and there he is, and nothing is done. So Uh-oh. right away, Uh-oh. I tell myself a what? Story. Yeah. How much of a priority am I to him? Did he just forget? 
You know, when people come over to our house and it's not clean, it's not a reflection on him. They don't think, man, that husband doesn't help around here. They think, that that wife doesn't clean the house. So all of a sudden, I'm starting to start these tapes in my head, and I'm annoyed. And so I'll say, Pat, what happened? And he'll say, honey, honey, let's do the five-minute rule. Right then, I mean, we don't let it get bad before he says, let's do the five-minute rule. Now, you might say that might be a slap in the face when you're irritated. It's not, and now I'll show you why. The five-minute rule needs, means this. Let's do the five-minute rule. He says it, then that means five minutes. Now, you may say, why? What's the magic thing about five minutes? Do you remember I said that we have about a 1,000 words to our husband's one? Now, again, it's not fair to genderize. There are some men who talk a lot, so that's fair. But the point is... My husband, I'll speak for him, he needs to know it's going to end. Amen. <laughs> That's why it's called the five-minute rule, because I could probably go on and write a book. Why do you think my children wanted him to have worship? <laughs> okay, so the five-minute rule is just a boundary. We really don't time ourselves, but we encourage some couples where it gets out of control to time themselves. Five minutes. During that five minutes, this is what happens. The person doing the talking has responsibilities, and the person listening has responsibilities. The listener is not to interrupt. I don't care how inflammatory or how annoying it might be. They do not interrupt. No disrespect, no rolling the eyes, hands on the forehead, gazing heavenward, not with an enraptured look. So no disrespect, okay? That means for both, though. The other person can't say, you always, you never, you're just like so-and-so, and they label None of that, okay? And then listen to understand and not rebuttal. The person listening is not supposed to be building their case while the other person's talking. They're supposed to be listening to them to try to understand where they're coming from. Mm -hmm. I want to tell you, sometimes I'm shocked at how very differently my husband and I uh, understand different situations. And it helps for me to really listen to him and get an idea for what it is he's feeling and thinking. And then use I statements. Honey... I walked in the door and I thought we had this agreement that you were going to have these three things done. And I'm running really late and I'm feeling frantic because you didn't get them done. And I just kind of feel like, did, did you remember what we said? Did you value this? Do you realize Sabbath is going to come and this needs to be done? We have company. Know, honey, and then he'll sweetheart. say, and then he'll say, are you done? Are you, when are I'm you all done. done. That's right. And he doesn't interrupt me. Yeah. Are you done? And then he says, sweetheart, you, you didn't realize it. I had someone in the hospital, they went to the emergency room and then they admitted him to the hospital and I needed to go there, see how they were doing and have prayer with them. So I'm, I'm going to get right on it right now. And then all of a sudden I recognized he didn't forget. He did know. He just walked in the door two seconds before me and he was called to the ER actually that day twice. And so he was just so busy there. And all of a sudden, and then he says, and I'm going to get right on it. So all of a sudden, what does my anxiety do? It drops. It goes down. Mm -hmm. So using I statements. So I want to tell you something. This five-minute rule works. It works fabulously. We learned it early in our relationship. It has caused us to not miss a beat in loving. We can get our, our frustrations out. We can get them taken care of. And then we can move on to be, being happy and together again. And I, I will tell you something else, too. We've never had to go back and forth. Never had to do five and then five and then five and then five. The point is when you get to be listened to without being interrupted or disrespected and the person is committed to hearing what you have to say, 
That's what everyone wants in an argument is to be heard. Right. Just hear me. Just understand me. Just see that I'm not crazy. See how I took this. See how I saw this. Makes all the difference in the world. It's one of the most powerful tools that my husband and I share. We had countless couples come back to us and say, this really works. And that's why we want you to make sure that you have a handout. All right. So where should be the happiest place on earth? <laughs> Our home. Our home. A sunny countenance and cheerful, encouraging words will brighten the poorest home. I remember somebody coming back from the mission field and they found this little family of five that lived under a table. That was their home. It was this rough table type thing with an old, old tablecloth over the side for privacy. And they slept under there. When it rained, they got under there to eat their food. That's all they had. They said, Tammy, they're the happiest people you ever met. They were so happy. Happiness is not how much you have. I don't know if any of you ever watched Oprah Winfrey one time when she shared about, she had uh, st statisticians and people who've done research come in and tell you, guess how much money you need that actually impacts the happiness quotient? It was shocking. Just enough money to have a three-bedroom uh, house, if you had two children, to have um, two cars, and to go on a vacation once a year, that was about as happiness quotient as money added to your existence. Anything over that actually added more stress and challenge. So it was very, very interesting when they took all this research and looked at it. Sometimes we think things will make us happy. Now, money is important. It gets us from point A to point B, but really and truly the happiness is between and those if, walls. And if you are happy, then, then let your face know it. You know, Doug Baxter says... Uh, uh, sometimes he goes to churches and he looks out into the audience and he said, it, it looks like that some of the folks have been baptized in lemon juice. You know, they're kind of sour pusses. I mean, we, sh we should have the fruits of the Spirit in our lives and one of them is joy, right? We should be the happiest people on the earth because God has given us so much, you know? We should be very thankful for this. Amen. Okay, what's the next one? Home should be the most sunny and attractive spot on earth, and it may be made so by smiles, pleasant words, and kind acts. I can have the hardest day, but I can walk in the house, and my husband, he, he always greets me. We always find each other and give each other, honey, how are you? How was your day? How are you? You know, it's so nice to what be you, home. What do you want, honey? What do I want? <laughs> just well, kidding. Just no. kidding. But you know what? Really and truly, we can choose. And I find as I act on happiness and I choose to be cheerful, it infuses that into our home. Mm -hmm. Both husband and wife have a part to play in making the home a paradise. So we're getting ready for heaven. And this is a workshop. Our homes are the workshop. Yes. Yeah. And you know what? We can go to church and we can smile at everyone. We can look nice and smell nice and and uh, you know, do all the appropriate things. But really and truly, the rubber meets the road. A true Christianity is shown in the home. Don't you agree? Yeah. Where we know each other most, where we're familiar with each other, and that is what the children, the children don't learn so much about what we teach them, it's what we show them. Yeah, How do we live that's it? Right. That's Does right. it make a difference? That's right. So. The atmosphere surrounding the souls of fathers and mothers fill the whole house and is felt in every part of the home. Remember we talked about atmosphere yesterday, that each of us have a sphere of atmosphere around us, and those three things, 
love, peace, joy, or selfishness and bitterness, or poison. And so those atmospheres that we come from the throne room and spending time with Jesus with makes all the difference and, in and our And I homes. want to say it one more time. Maybe there were some of you who were not here on the first evening. I, I made a statement. It's a little strong, but it needs to be said. Uh, and I think um, the gentleman who is speaking after us, which is Scott Ritzma, he talks a lot more about this than, I'm, than what I'm getting ready to say because he talks about media on the brain. And I want to say it again. Your home, the home is the atmosphere of angels, God's angels. Would you agree with that? I believe, though, if we're putting things, you know, if we're allowing things on the TV or the radio that's, that's breaking the Ten Commandments, cursing and swearing, and you, you can watch adultery, and that's coming across, and, and, and we're enjoying it. We're sitting there enjoying, you know. Being entertained be, by those sins that crucified our yes, Lord. Yes, and I really believe, though, the evil angels come in and they say, hey, hey, you guys get out of here. You good angels get out of here. They're giving us, they're giving us the right to be here. Now you guys just get out. Okay? I really believe that. And I also believe that when these evil angels come in because of our choices, we're, 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 we're allowing Satan to come in. I believe the devil is the one that causes arguments and fights. He likes to get us at each other's throat, right? But I also believe that when the good angels are there, there's an atmosphere, mm -hmm. an atmosphere of peace and joy and kindness and love. Are you with me? Does that make sense? Amen. I mean, there's a great there's a great controversy going on in our home. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. I remember my mother um, giving us an illustration of this second one. One time my father fell a tree and there was a nest of blue jays and there was an injured blue, baby blue jay that he brought home and its wing was broken and he went ahead and uh, took some popsicle sticks and taped up its wing and made a little splint for it and it was in a little cage in our house. And I remember one time for worship my mother putting her finger in the cage and the little blue jay popped up on her finger and she brought him out. And she said, children, it's not only the words we speak, but the tone of voice. And so she said to the little blue jay, you beautiful little bird. And he began to ruffle his feathers. And then he scolded, chirp, 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 chirp. <laughs> he did. He scolded her, his head down, his feathers up. It was hysterical. And then she said, why, you ugly little thing. And his little feathers went down. And he cocked his little head. He went, chirp, 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 chirp. And it was just a little bird, but I'll never forget it. Just the tone of voice that we use. We can infuse a spirit of rivalry or fussing at each other to our children as right. well. If you would be a saint in heaven, you must first be a saint on earth. <laughs> the character you cherish in life will not be changed by death or by the resurrection. The work of transformation must be done now so that's why i want i want you guys to have every advantage that's why I, you know we have learned and i always have to learn the hard way we all learn from the school of hard knocks but i've learned what it is that brings peace in the home so i've told my wife i said honey when i come home you know i don't want loud music or bad music or, or anything bad on the TV. I don't want to drive those good, good angels away, you know, right. and, and, and your home is a place where there should be peace and tranquility and, uh, you know, and love. And love. That's right. Expressions of love. That's right. 
So the answer really, really is a personal conversion every day. I need to be converted every day. I can make, I can make some progress yesterday, and praise God, I can, he can be helping me to overcome. But then the next day, I can have that same bitterness come into my heart if, I'm, if I haven't spent time. So it's really, really important that every day we become more and more converted like the Lord Jesus. Mm -hmm. So our homes need to be a safe haven, a place where my husband knows, and I know when I come home that I'm going to be able to oh, take a deep breath and be among the company of my very best friend and to be able to be a safe haven for one another. I want to be welcoming. If I make it home before him and he comes home, I always want to say, hi, sweetheart, how was your day? I want to be welcoming. And I want to look nice for him too. I want to think the best about him instead of always thinking the worst. Some of us tend to be glass half full people. Some of us tend to be glass half empty people. But I want to think the very best. It helps me be happier. And um, I think people tend to rise to your expectation. If you always think the worst, What, what is worry? Worry is interest paid on the problem, right? That's right. That's right. That's right. And then I want to be confidential. You know, if my husband confides something in me or vice versa, I want to make sure that it stays there, that we never share things that we shouldn't. Mm -hmm. So it's very important. Confidentiality creates safety. Would you agree? If you're afraid that what you're about to share with your spouse is going to get back to her friends, his friends, or something like that, it's not creating a safe place. Mm -hmm. So we want to say, welcome home, baby. That's right. That's right. <laughs> That's and, what uh, I like. All that touch. Just give me more. <laughs> All right. And I just, we, before we go to our questions, we want to repeat our quote. Those of you who didn't get one. Does everybody have one of these? If you don't have one. Get one on the raise, way out. Raise your hand. Okay. Well, you can get yeah. one on the way out. Be sure you get one. Uh, we want you to have this and, and read it again and reread it. Yeah. And and we're gonna add we're gonna add marriage and parts of this beautiful uh, quote that Ellen White made uh, that God gave to her. Mm -hmm. And so prayer is the answer to every marriage so, problem in life. Yes. Yeah, so right? I was thinking, let's read it together if we can, and then we're gonna answer the questions. We have quite a few questions yeah. today. Prayer so is the together. answer. Prayer. One, two, three. <laughs> Prayer is the answer to every problem in life. It puts us in tune with divine wisdom, which knows how to adjust everything perfectly. So often we do not pray in certain situations because from our standpoint, the outlook is hopeless. But nothing is impossible with God. Nothing is so entangled that it cannot be remedied. No human relationship is too strained for God to bring about reconciliation and understanding. No habit is so deep-rooted that it cannot be overcome. No one is so ill that he cannot be made healed. No mind is so dull that it cannot be made brilliant. Whatever we need, if we trust God, He will supply it. If anything is causing worry or anxiety, let us stop rehearsing the difficulty and trust God for healing, love, and power. Isn't that awesome? Yes. That's just awesome. That is. All right, let's take the first question. All right, the first question is, um, how do I handle people who want to talk to my spouse 
about he, how he or she talks to me. So I'm assuming uh, this, this question is more like, you know, I have people who come up and tell my spouse that they aren't speaking to me in a respectful or proper way. I don't know. I can't assume that's what that means, but I thought that. Um, so I'm guessing that this person doesn't feel annoyed or bothered or they're used to the way their spouse communicates, but someone else is, is annoyed by that and correcting them. So I, you know, that's a really good question. I don't know, to be honest with you, how to handle that. If someone came up to me and said to me, Tammy, I feel like that you're pretty disrespectful to your husband the way you talk to him or vice versa. At first, I will be honest with you, I'd be pretty indignant and probably defensive. No, I do not. You know, at least I'd feel that way. But I'd probably go home and think about it. And then I'd ask him, honey, do I, you know, do, are you offended by the way I speak? You know, I don't know. Now, if it's the opposite, if someone's coming to your spouse about you, then I think hopefully your spouse will say to them, you know, if you have a burden for that and you've prayed about it, talk to her or talk to him. I think that might be better. All right. Uh, my husband has a few habits that drive me crazy. How do I approach him? We've never fought. Praise the Lord. We just put up with each other over 40 years. Should I leave the things as they are and accept him as he is? Well, I think uh, if you were here yesterday, you, you, you saw the uh, quote by Dr. Laura Schlesinger. Um, and, uh, you know, her, her philosophy, her thinking is, you know, if you have a, if you have a man that, that brings home, you know, the money, he's a hard worker, um, uh, that you, you should be able to put up with a lot because, you know, he's... He's giving his all, and he may have some annoying habits. And sometimes uh, with us, um, you know, I do things. You know, I, I'm the one that usually buys most of the groceries. My wife will make the list, and I'm the one that gets the groceries. So I try to clean the house, and I try to, to get the groceries. And then, but even though I'm good in some areas, there are other areas that I kind of struggle in, and it's a little bit annoying to Tammy but she's kind of learned over the years rather than because I'll put my pants, my dress pants on the bed real carefully, you know, so they won't get wrinkled. But she she wants them on a hanger in the closet. Right. But that takes it's effort. Only three steps but away that, from the bed. That's, that takes effort. <laughs> Are you guys with me? All right. I think you're with me. But and you know, so that's so, a good example, honey, because I asked him one day, I said, can you help me understand something? Help me understand why they go over the bed and not in the closet. He said, to be honest with you, the way the hangers are in the closet, I have to struggle to get things out of the oh, way. That's laborious. To clip them to the thing, and then I clip them on the wrong. <laughs> and when I understood what his challenge was, I was thinking, oh, all right, well, I'll just do that. Here, I'll take another one. That was a good one. Okay. Um, oh, yeah, this is a good one. I don't know who wrote this one. Don't raise your hand. Uh, oh, um, can I comment, sweetheart? Sure, I'm so sorry. Sure, sure. Can I go back to that, uh, that one? Yes. I don't believe you should not say anything after 40 years. I want to answer that. I think that your intimacy will even be better and stronger if you will have the courage to discuss those things that annoy you. There are some little idiosyncrasies or annoying habits that... I believe it's really important to talk to each other because really and truly, more than anything, I want us to be even closer. 
And our intimacy has grown through the years. I'm more in love with him now than I am when we first got married. But I think part of it is, honestly, that we discuss with each other, you know, if I'm, I don't want to do things that annoy him. Now, sometimes you say, well, but sometimes we're just annoyed because we're not in a good place. And that's true. You can most, tell the difference. Most of the time, she hangs up my pants. Yes. And I think the reason why is because I'm so good in other areas. You see? There we that's go. That's right. That's right. Okay. <laughs> that right. The story it makes you up tell for yourself. it. Yeah, I've told, told myself a story. It's a good story. Okay. I'll, I'll second when, it. When you, when you talked about women needing to stay beautiful for their men, well, this goes both ways as well. Women also notice attractive men, and they especially notice men that notice them. Also, many women uh, struggle to stay presentable, especially when they have young children and, and uh, little to no time for themselves, especially if their husband and family are not supportive in uh, raising the children. And um, men, I see, I see, and both, I see, what is that? And between men should mm -hmm. uh, never, never... And by the way. Oh, oh, and by the way, men should never, never hire attractive secretaries or their wives may just need to hire attractive chiropractors. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think the point well taken here is that... Um, the point well taken here is that you know, let's pretend that my husband is annoyed or wishes that I would lose weight or be more in shape or something like that. I think before he would come to me and say, honey, I really wish you'd work on this, he should also have maybe some solutions. Um, you know what, sweetheart, how about let's make a date every evening, let's walk together. I know you like to walk. He'd rather lift weights. I love to walk. And so let's walk together. So I think having solutions when we address each other, um, things that bother each other, uh, is very, very important. What can we do together to make this buy, fun? Buy a bicycle together if you don't there like to walk. There we Walking, go. Walking, bicycling, yeah. Yeah, so we, you're right. It needs to go both ways. And again, I want to apologize for genderizing. Sometimes we do that because there's a preponderance of women who may have this issue and men. Uh, but again, it's very different depending on each person. Okay, respect. This person says, I hear it all the time. Men just need respect. And women just need love. This is not true. Women are often treated like objects put here to be looked at and not appreciated. Uh, women are, are also often treated like they are not as valuable as men and are often treated like children and not adults. Also, men do need love, obviously. And that's true. Men do need love. Absolutely. That's right. And we are not objects. We are not. And I, I would like to answer this one, and you can comment. I think if this person who wrote this, if, if, they, if their husband was treating them like Christ treats the church, uh, this person would be happier. Mm -hmm. Okay, right? Mm -hmm. Because if, if we treat our spouses like Christ treats the church, you're going to be treated like a queen. Right? Okay. And it's true, man. We want to be treated like kings. That's true. But if I'm treating her like a queen, she doesn't have a problem treating me like a king. Right? Mm -hmm. That's right. It's very reciprocal. That's right. And you're right. You know, we both need love and respect. That's right. We absolutely do. What we found, though, in our relationship, and that's why we uh, focused on it the way that we did, and we're going to be actually talking specifically about love and respect, um, I believe, tomorrow. But what we have found is that 
Um, the thing that dries up his love tank the most is the actions of the words that I use that make him feel disrespected are very different than the ones I, I uh, would experience. And that's been surprising to us. And so we're going to talk about that tomorrow. But definitely we need both, don't we? Absolutely. It is true, though, if a man feels disrespected or put down or minimized by his wife, he tends not to be loving. And, that, uh, and I'm sure that if uh, a, a woman is not loving, um, it's the same way. So I think it's reciprocal for sure. Yeah. But again, uh, we tended to genderize only because there's a lot of research that shows that the preponderance of women... Uh, have similar needs in the preponderance of men, but we are all, all different, very different. Yeah. I mean, I would say that um, the majority of men, touch is their love language. And so I think uh, the major not necessarily the majority of women, but that's mine. So we all have different, you know, we're all different. It isn't just about our genders, mm -hmm. but we need both love and respect. And what I love is the Lord Jesus Christ both loves and respects us. He respects our power of choice. He's a gentleman. He never pushes himself on us. He only loves us and draws us with cords of love. If I want to draw my spouse, then I know that I can draw him most with cords of love. Mm -hmm. If my spouse is, if you are married to someone who is not a loving person, by God's grace, become the loving person to them that you desire, and you will find that they cannot help but reciprocate. Mm -hmm. That's right. You remember uh, the, the story on the first night of Dr. K.S. Wiggins. She had tried everything, mm -hmm. but she hadn't tried the German chocolate cake and, and I love you. <laughs> Once she started doing that, he said, I don't know what she's learning in these evangelistic meetings, but whatever it is, it's changed my wife. And, and the wife wanted him yeah. changed. <laughs> and if you're not sure, the very best way to find out what your love language is to say, um, sweetheart, when I do or say what, you feel loved. You feel loved when I do or say what? And you ask each other that question. When I do or say what, you feel loved. Or I feel loved when you do or say. And that kind of helps you to fill in the blanks and to just kind of know what your love language is. That's right. Do you have yeah. any more questions, sweetheart? That's it. That's it? Okay. Yeah. Well, we, we do have a little bit of time then. Is there any on the floor? Uh, we have this young lady right here. <laughs> Amen. Myself and my husband have been married for 54 years. Praise the Lord. Congratulations. And there's three quick trips or tips, I should say, that I would like to share with Please. you. Please. One is I saw it in a, a card, and it, on the outside it read, I wonder why I put up with you. And you opened the card and it said, oh, yes, it's because you put up with me. That's right. <laughs> I like to remember that. That's right. I read the book years ago, Love is a Choice by Menrith Meyer. Yes. And I really believe in that. We don't fall in and out of love. We choose to love somebody. Amen. Right. So sometimes I say to my husband, I choose to love you anyway. That's right. Yeah. That's right. Yes, because we don't always feel, right? If yeah. we went right. by our feelings, we wouldn't get yes. up and go to work. Lo so, love yes. is not a feeling yes. to be felt, but an action to be learned. Yes. And your third tip. And the third tip is I have known in our marriage that I had a difficult subject to discuss with him. So we were out to dinner in a restaurant. So it's a public place. Uh -huh. And that's where I brought it up. And he couldn't you know, make a big scene. <laughs> <laughs> so that's just a tip. If you have a difficult something to discuss, do it at a public place. <laughs> so Dave and I might turn into a very different thing. <laughs> very very good. nice. Thank very you. Anybody Any else? Yeah, anybody and else? And we love your questions, by the way. Yeah, that's great. Anybody got comments on the subject today? 
Um, can anybody raise your hand and say, we've never had a fight and you'd like to talk to us? We, we would like to reward you for being the saint of the month. <laughs> anybody? All right. Let's All right. All right. Hey, well, tomorrow, tomorrow's subject is what? Tomorrow's subject is really and truly on love and respect mm -hmm. and what that looks like and how to bring that back into your relationship if you've lost some ground in this area. That's right. Find All, right. Very All right. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, that when we are unloving, you still you love us still. Amen. And we thank you, Lord. And so because you have forgiven us so much, help us, Lord, to forgive our spouses who've sometimes hurt us. And please Father, forgive us. And Father, where we have fallen out of love, perhaps, in our relationship, please give us love. You are the author of love. And so whenever we find ourselves lacking, we can cry out to you and claim First um, John chapter 1, 2, and 3, and that you will give us your love for each other. We thank you and praise you for the gift of love. In Jesus' name, amen. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.